welcome to the City Life Podcast. This podcast is here as a resource to journey together, connecting where you can, whenever you can, in your everyday. Enjoy listening. Be encouraged to share, be inspired and be blessed as you do so. Hi everyone, Uh, it's great to be continuing our series looking at the presence of God Um, uh, and I really believe at the moment that um, our series is prophetic for us as a people in the journey that we're on because I think uh, what I I believe at the moment is that we're in a season of moving away from occasional encounters and interactions with God to an ever-present awareness of his presence and our identity in him and our ability then to live this out wherever we find ourselves in all situations and circumstances. So I really believe that uh, presence is something that God really wants to lay on our hearts at the moment and give us fresh revelation of. Um, For me, I've probably been one of those kind of people that's always had some kind of well, since becoming a Christian, some kind of ability to be able to tune into God's presence relatively quickly and relatively easily. Um, that, you know, it's the kind of relationship I think I have where in the moment um, when I might need to uh, experience or encounter God or hear something from him, I, I have this ability probably just to uh, tune in almost, to to, uh, to refocus my attention away from what I'm currently doing and onto God uh, and I'm able to be aware of his presence um, quite simply. Now, I say that not because um, I want to blow my own trumpet, but because I think that has become a bit of uh, a trap for me almost in the way that I live my life, that it's become quite easy for me to then uh, live just day to day as I would want and then at my own whim and will, decide when to invite God into those moments, whether that be, you know, I'm with somebody and they, uh, they're they sharing something that they're struggling with and I feel to pray for them and I, I would love God to kind of meet with them and give them a word and I just turn my attention and ask for something and often, you know, I'll get something. Um, but the reality, I think, is, and probably what I've realised in Uh, recent weeks and months and particularly as I've been thinking about uh, giving this talk today is that what I'm really doing there it's not a mark of how good my relationship with God is but actually potentially how poor my relationship with God is that I've been treating him almost like a genie in a bottle uh, or the genie of the lamp where I uh, bring him out when I want to conjure him up to uh, do whatever it is that I need and provide what I need, whether that is strength or help or comfort or uh, a word from God for somebody or whatever it might be. Um, but it's all about my own agenda. And so my relationship with God, I've come to realize, is probably too much focused on me and not enough focused on him. Um, that, that's not to say that, you know, that I, I don't encounter God at other times outside of when I'm in need or struggling or want him. You know, there are times when uh, I will experience God and encounter him through uh, worship and prayer and those kind of things. And I'm not coming then with a particular agenda, but perhaps those times in my life are more like set pieces, uh, you know, set times of day or when we're having a corporate worship gathering. And there are times when kind of it's routine rather than about the whole of my life from the day to day. 
And I think this season is one where God wants to turn all of this on its head and remind us of actually the joy of his presence and living in the joy of his presence uh, so that we might manifest his presence in our lives in the routine, day-to-day, uh, all of the stuff that we do, rather than just kind of you know, drawing him out, dusting him off in those moments when we might need him. Um, and we know that that's how Jesus lived, don't we? He didn't just you know, bring God into uh, an, a moment when he felt like it. He lived in such a way that he only did what he saw the Father do, and he only said what he heard the Father say. Um, and, and that wasn't about a sense of duty to do and say what God wanted him to. It was born out of a relationship and the overflow of that loving relationship between father and son and his desire to be in God's presence. And because he lived in God's presence and experienced the joy of that and desired that, that love overflowed through him in all the things that he then went on and did and said. Um, And I'd love to be able to live that way. And I believe that that is part of what God has for us in this season. Um, The Westminster Catechism, uh, which is the summary of kind of Christian doctrine uh, written in question and answer form that was written back in the 1640s. So quite a long time ago, um, starts with the very first question. uh, What is the chief end of man? Is how it's phrased, you know, mankind, men, women people, humans? What is the chief end of us as human beings? And the answer is given in that, that our chief and highest end is to glorify God and to fully joy in him forever, to enjoy him, to experience the joy of his presence and in doing so to glorify him. Um, So I want to suggest that presence and experiencing the joy of that is actually incredibly important uh, and yet so often bypassed. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I think, said, um, that our pursuit of joy is not the issue. It's the fact that we're willing to settle uh, for things that are too little. Uh, we, we, there is much more on offer. You know, we're content with making mud pies while a holiday at the beach is on offer, um, is, is basically what he said. And we know that from scripture that um, God's presence is the source of our joy. Um, but I don't know about you, uh, I find that it is certainly all too easy to seek joy elsewhere you know to find it in our leisure time and the pleasures of life or with family and friends or holidays or all those kind of things and 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 don't get me wrong there's nothing wrong with any of those things but they are not in themselves a source of joy they may well be um things that bring us happiness for a moment and they give us memories but they're not joy sources in themselves because joy is much more deeply rooted uh, and and Actually, interestingly, probably the times when I've probably had the strongest or most memorable encounters with uh, the presence of God and experienced his joy most deeply have often been in some of the most difficult times uh, or in some of the most trying circumstances. You know, I, I, as you know, work um, amongst uh, the homeless um, and we we engage with people who are homeless through various kind of uh, services that we offer as a church, whether that is Uh, hoping to action our housing project or the winter beds project at the moment or even the rent deposit scheme or anything else but I I found sometimes that actually in those moments of engaging with those who are poor and who are destitute that I've had encounters with God where I've experienced the joy of Jesus Um, and the same would probably be true uh, when I've taken teams and gone on trips to uh, India or Sri Lanka when I've been in some of the 
poorest and most desperate situations that I may have encountered in my life, uh, whether that is with slum dwellers or orphans or widows. And in those moments, I have encountered uh, something of the presence of God and I've met God amongst the poor and I've experienced his joy in ways that I've probably not done um, in, in probably my day to day life here in the West. Um, and I think part of my point is, and actually, incidentally, if you're interested in going on a trip to India or Sri Lanka, I'm taking a team at the end of October, uh, get in contact. I'd love you to join me. Anyway, the point is um, that it's clear that it is not um, circumstance that dictates joy. Um, you know, the, those circumstances, which certainly in worldly terms, whether that is amongst the homeless or the poor in India or Sri Lanka, they're not, in worldly terms, great circumstances. You've got people living in absolute poverty. And yet there are times when we can encounter joy uh, and God's presence because circumstance is not what it takes our joy. It's all about him. In fact, we read in Psalm 16, verse 11, uh, this. It says, uh, in his presence is fullness of joy. Um, and the context of that psalm, when David is writing, uh, he was on the run. He was an outcast. He'd been, uh, he, he was fleeing and hiding in caves and, uh, you know, he didn't have many people with him and he was, uh, you know, desperate to kind of flee and to save his life. So circumstance was not on his side. But in the midst of that, he was able to declare that in God's presence is the fullness of joy. The Bible also tells us in Nehemiah chapter eight that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And um. So often I find that I, I need God's strength and comfort and help and provision and so much more in my life. Um, but actually what I find often is that I don't look to his presence for those things. I look to what he may give into those things. Again, almost treating God like a genie. Um, he is the giver of those things. But so often we look to the hands instead of to the face. Um, and I want to encourage us, I think, in this season to not get distracted by maybe the things that we need and uh, those things that God might give us. Uh, and in, in doing so, forget the giver, but to instead shift our gaze from hands to face so that we might know the one who is the source of all those gifts and gives them to us. Um, you know, it's, there's more than gifts for us to receive. There is life and hope and joy and peace. Um, there is more than fruit to bear. There is a life uh, to carry within us the life of God that he gives us. Um, and in John 15, uh, verses 1 to 15, which I'm sure we all know well, Jesus is talking to his disciples, possibly walking even through a vineyard as he speaks. And he gives the example, doesn't he, of uh, him being the vine and us being the branches and talks about how we are to bear much fruit um, and how we're to remain in him. And we probably know this really well. Um, but I'm going to read it to us again, um, because I certainly have often ended up grasping hold of what is probably only a secondary rather than the main point. Uh, so I'm going to read it again. John 15 uh, verses 1 to 11. And I want you particularly, uh, well, all of us particularly to, to grasp hold of the last verse, verse 11. Uh, Jesus says this. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have remained, obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And it's that last bit that really struck me. I've so often uh, missed that. And I've, I've thought about remaining in Jesus as about bearing fruit. And it's only in him that we can do that. And all of that is true. But one version of that says, uh, the purpose for which I tell you this is so that you may experience my joy and that it may overflow within you. The purpose that Jesus tells that story is not about us bearing fruit. It is about us experiencing his joy in us and that joy being complete. And out of that and that overflow of his love and his life and his joy in us comes the bearing of much fruit. It is not the fruit that is the purpose. The fruit is the byproduct. And that, I think, is really key because so often I think I've uh, lived uh, the wrong way around. Um, and probably, you know, my experience of how I've encountered God and how I've sought to uh, bring him into things in my life, uh, being all about my own agenda rather than stepping into his shows that I've got it wrong. Um, and actually, in this season, I believe that there is some repentance to be done, particularly for me, but maybe for us together as a community, a reshaping of our thinking um, to not just live for the occasional encounter on my terms while I main con maintain control of my own agenda, but instead of giving up our lives and giving up my life uh, for his, laying down my agenda and stepping into his invitation recognizing that I don't have to live for just an occasional encounter and experience because in fact the reality is I am grafted into we are grafted into the vine that is the source of life and joy for us we have already been made one with Christ and nothing can separate that none of our actions none of our beliefs nothing can separate the fact that we have been made one with Christ we are one with him and there is no separation or barrier Sometimes, however, we don't always experience that. But the reality is we are not like plugs that are either in the socket or out of it or switched on or not. We are branches connected to the vine permanently. We're not one day connected and next, the next day not. The reality is we are permanently connected to God through the, uh, by the Spirit through Christ. We are one with him. We are always in his presence. It's not our position that therefore needs to change. And so often we think that it is, that we've got to just change this about ourselves. I've got to do away with that and then I can do this. But we don't have to change our position. It's our thinking and our belief about who we are and how Christ has positioned us that needs to shift. Our awareness of our permanent state of connection to God and the joy of being able to be in his presence. And there are times, I'm sure, when we may be able to ignore God's leading in our life. There are times when we give in to temptation and sin and perhaps in those moments we stop feeling his presence and we uh, we stop experiencing it and it being manifest. But the reality is 
we are always in his presence. He has not left us. He has not forsaken us. And so our thinking uh, and our loss of peace in those moments may make it harder to experience his presence. And so that is why it's about a repentance thing. It's about us shifting uh, our understanding and our thinking to recognize that actually we truly are always with him. We never walk alone. This is where we're called to shift and what I believe God has for us uh, in this season. We are children of God, always members of his family, always permanently made children of God, grafted into the vine. And we are able to live as children of God with his authority to speak on his behalf with power and to see, therefore, the world around us shift into alignment with heaven's reality. And I believe that our focus on presence in this season and our journey as a church into the small and the everyday and even uh, following of God's leading uh, to buy Aldermore Farmhouse is all about a reawakening to his presence. It's all about God wanting to do something in us, a restructuring of our lives and our routines in order to bring us back to living out of and under his presence, that his presence may be central to all that we do rather than just seeking an occasional encounter and an experience in a moment uh, when we happen to remember that is somehow fitting with our own already preconceived agenda. Encounter and experience, I think I've come to understand, speak of the occasional, something that only happens infrequently uh, and may sustain us for a while until the next time. And we live from encounter to encounter or from feast to feast, a feast and famine kind of boom and bust approach to living. Uh, like Moses encountering God's presence, however, uh, he glowed in his presence. We are not called to do that and then see that fade until the next encounter, which is how they lived in that old covenant. We are called to a never fading glory, to encounter Jesus and then to glow with his presence and that to be ever increasing from glory to glory because we live forever in his presence, his face shining upon us permanently and us never being out of that. And I, I, I don't have all the answers uh, to how we're going to make this shift. I don't have uh, all of the solutions to what we need to do to make this happen because on one level, nothing's shifted. We, we became Christians uh, at the point we accepted Christ into our lives. And at that point, structurally and positionally, everything shifted and we were grafted into the vine, made God's children, and we were one with Christ. And it hasn't changed since. But in the 30-something years that I've been a Christian, I have not managed to consistently live uh, being aware of God's presence. And yet I deeply feel at the moment, and I am... I am moved by the fact that I believe God is hungry for our lives afresh at this time, that he, he is passionate towards our hearts and wants our hearts reconnected to him in such a way that we cannot fail to be aware of his presence. But it's a bit like that kind of falling in love with somebody for the first time and all of your thoughts are bent on that person. All of your time is spent thinking about what you're going to do when you get together and, and how you can be there together. That is what God is reawakening in us. A first love calling that will reawaken our hearts, that will ignite us afresh and cause us to be transformed, living aware of his presence. And as we do so, we will get to live more like Jesus did. We will be the outworking of God's presence in the earth. We will, as Jesus did, because he lived in love, able, therefore, to 
do what God is doing, to step into that all the time, to uh, step into his invitation, to speak out his words, and for that to release kingdom signs and wonders, to cause salvation and miracles to break out around us. The joy that he is going to birth in us will overflow into the lives of those around us. And I believe that it's something that we are all hungry for, whether we know it or not, it is the deep-seated desire of our heart. And despite not knowing how this is going to happen, my hope is that as we grasp even the possibility that this could be our reality, that this could be what God is inviting us into, that we will dare to say yes to his invitation, that we will lay hold of it and we will bring it before God and we will contend for it in, in our prayer times and in our groups as we get together, that we will try and consciously be more aware of his presence and ask one another and be deliberate about asking God what he wants to say into any given situation so that it will become first and foremost in our thoughts rather than an afterthought or only in the, those moments of need, that we will no longer walk with God as though he were our genie, but instead that he is the lover of our soul, that he is our friend and our father and our saviour, that he's the Lord of our life. And there is no condemnation in Christ. So whether we're living this way or not, I want us to know that there is an invitation to more, to experience more of his presence in this season. So let us allow God to reawaken the hunger in our hearts and to pursue more awareness of the reality of his presence. And it will be uncomfortable. Hunger is not a comfortable experience. And so it, there will be times, I believe, of discomfort where God is going to make us uncomfortable in order to reawaken us to that hunger, the depth of our soul that cries out for him, the thirst after his presence. Because ultimately that is what we need uh, and that is what the world around us needs. It needs the children of God to be seen for who they truly are. Children of God, people of his presence. Um, so I, I want us to pursue his presence in this season together, to live as branches grafted into that vine that bear much fruit out of the overflow of joy that is ours to be had because of the life of Jesus coursing through our veins. And so there are some questions I've put down to get, uh, that we can consider um, in our own quiet times as we personally reflect on this with God, uh, as we are about our day-to-day -day business, uh, but also in families and in connect groups. And I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on this as we journey together as a community towards his presence. Uh, so you can uh, find those in the app and they'll be with this talk online. Uh, but do, do consider those things together. But why don't I... Uh, I just close in prayer because uh, I think we can't manufacture this. Uh, we can't force this by our actions because it isn't about what we can do, but it is about his grace. And so the only thing we can do is position ourselves to receive it. And that's not a positional thing in terms of us and God, as in, you know, we're already his children, we're already grafted in. That position is secure, but it is about maybe a realignment, a turning back towards his face rather than his hands, a focus on his invitation rather than our agenda and uh, and therefore a rethinking and repentance of our understanding and our beliefs to grasp hold of his presence that is fully available to us and will release us into all that he has for us so Jesus we just invite you to meet with us now to reawaken our hearts and make us uncomfortable with hunger and thirst for your presence 
that you give us fresh revelation of the reality of the fact that we are made one with you, grafted into the vine, and that nothing can change that, not our decisions or beliefs or actions or anything we do in life. Nothing can change the reality of who we are in you, only our thinking about it and our understanding. And so we turn afresh to you and say, would you shine upon us as we gaze into your face? Would you cause us to change from one degree of glory to the next, that your life and your joy would flow through us, overflow through us and impact the world around us? Would you help us to think differently so that we might turn to you as our first and foremost thought in the day rather than an afterthought or an invitation into our agenda? May we walk in your footsteps and follow you, stepping into the invitation of life in all its fullness. And may we come to truly know that it is in your presence that we will experience fullness of joy, that it's as we are grafted into your vine and remain in you that we get to experience your joy in our life, overflowing, that our joy may be complete in you. So would you meet with us and hold us tight as we walk out this season of a reawakened awareness of your presence and an ability to live in that in our day-to-day -day lives. And all the people said, Amen. God bless you and may you know his presence in your life this week.